Animal Magnetism. Exploring animal care for creatures great and small. Conservation and preservation in today's world. Find out what a single voice can do to make a difference in the lives of animals. Animal Magnetism with Carolyn Hennessy starts right now on UVN Radio. Once again, welcome, and once again, not a single voice. A voice that is bolstered by many, 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 often, often, often. Hello, viewers and listeners. Carolyn Hennessy here. Welcome once again to Animal Magnetism. I am your animal preservationist, conservationist host, Carolyn Hennessy, and I don't sound like myself because, yeah, I'm a little under the weather, but that's okay. It doesn't matter because this is actually more important. So I am joined today, I think for the first time in how many weeks? How many shows, Andrea? <laughs> That's uh, not a couple, but we're back. More we're than back. a couple, my love. Yeah, more more than a couple. Um, Co-host, producer extraordinaire, the alpha and the omega in the producing world, as far as I'm concerned, Andrea Compton, here with us again today. Thank you. Thank you Thank for this you. last show of 2019. Again, uh, the alpha and the omega in the animal world, as far as I'm concerned, Dr. Gray Stafford is here. Thank you, my friend, for being here. Always a pleasure, and welcome back to the U.S. after your trip to Europe. Yes, 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 and I am joined with with the newest the newest family convert. Um, I think we were talking. Was it over Thanksgiving that we were talking about the fact that she, Tracy Powell, just one of the, one of the best, one of the best people. Period. One of my dearest friends. Period. And now. Another warrior in the in the fight, the true fight, the fight for animal advocacy versus you know <clears throat> the batshit crazy activism. But uh, I and I am so so proud of you and you. and how f what you know now and and now know and how far you have come. Thank you. And, I'm hungry to learn more. Yes, absolutely. She's she you're hungry to learn more. Just words, you know, music to my ears. And we were just recently in Switzerland. <clears throat> to see um, my co-star, my, my St. Agatha co-star, Sabrina Kern, in the Swiss National Musical. She's been hired to do the Swiss National Musical. And our flight got in too late to see the show on Sunday and then left too early to see the next show <laughs> on Friday. So we went to see the Swiss National Musical. We didn't. But boy, did we. It was a great <laughs> excuse to go to, to go to Zurich. But boy, did we have fun. Um, romping in the snow and rodling, look it up. We did it, and uh, yes, it's a it's a it's a roller coaster with no one at the controls but you in the snow in the snow and um, walking around and going into the enchanted forest in this tiny little Alpen town and wandering around Zurich and it was just it was incredibly magical. Um, so we did that last week. I came home with a cold. Tracy did not. But <clears throat> the other thing that, uh, that Tracy did with me recently, actually not so recent for those of you who have been watching this show, is Tracy was with me for the two days, two, two and a half days, yeah, three, really. that we were in June, July, July 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, because we came right, back, right? Right, on the 4th. Um, at, at SeaWorld Rescue. And we sort of palled around together and went out and rescued sea lions and retrieved sea lions and released sea lions. And we went to the avian section where we learned how they care for the birds because SeaWorld is not just about creatures of the sea, creatures of the air that fly over the sea or nest close to the sea. Um, they take care of those as well. But in this particular show, and this is the fifth 
uh, and final of our adventures, Tracy and I's, uh, our adventures at SeaWorld. <clears throat> Tracy and my, I guess, I guess that would be, that would be correct. Um, I'm sick. I get, it's I get okay. just, I just get a, you pass get a pass on everything. <laughs> Um, they knew what you meant. It's our, our, this is, so this is the fifth and final. And when I was sent this file by our dear friend Dave Koontz, it had 18 clips on it. And I thought, wow, so much footage of, and what a great thing to end on, of Tracy and I in the operating room working on sea lions. I could have stayed there all, all day. All day, all um, day. Looking at, you know, these sea lions that had been beached and had to, had to be rescued and one with a broken tail and tailbones and, 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 and sure. shoulder bones, collarbones and, 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 you know, head, head injuries. And these two beautiful young girls who probably could have done anything they wanted with their lives chose to be vets at SeaWorld and they are saving lives day in and day out. So I, I had, had 18 clips and I thought, wow, not going to be a lot of room for talking. Wrong. There's altogether, I think, about 15 minutes worth of footage. So, Maybe. and some of it's choppy and some of it's like four seconds long. So it's going to be a, a potpourri of fun footage today. But you're really going to get, I think, a good, clear picture of what it is that they do. And you combine that with the other four shows that have already aired, and you have a really good, rounded view, I think a really good, big, big picture of what they do at SeaWorld. And even in the <clears throat> surgery that, that you'll see today, you see how much they care about oh, what they're doing. absolutely. It's not just... Absolutely. I mean, I say they done. could have done anything else. No, they, you because can see how much they they're care about the and, animal. They're young and gorgeous, but in, in my head, I know that in their heart, they could not have done anything else with their lives. It's like Greg. Greg couldn't have done anything else with his life. I possibly now realize that I could have. I could have been a whale trainer. But I could have been a stand in for Brad Pitt in my earlier years. But yes, you, know, you could have. Shamu, yes, Brad you could have. <laughs> now it's Burl Ives. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. Or Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> or Danny DeVito. <laughs> so <clears throat> why don't we roll? Some of the footage, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just roll the footage and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we've seen. And, uh, you know, again, bear with it. Sometimes the audio is not so great and sometimes the clips are four seconds long, but stay with it because you will get the full picture of, of what they do, what they go through, um, and how much they, how much they care about these animals. You're absolutely right. So we will see you after in about 15 minutes. See you then. took it out about a week later, but the good thing is that he's a young animal, so he's and been eating well, and we think it's going to heal. What could have hit him? What would do that? Like a boat? He could have hit sharks. He could have been thrown into the rocks. He could have hit a boat. <laughs> these are, these are going to be your new social yeah. photos for today. So. <laughs> but he's been doing very, very well here, um, so we have high hopes for him. We're just going to recheck x-rays, see how his jaw looks. Palpate the eye, remove the sutures, and get a blood on him. And if that all looks good, then you can probably go back. You home. said pal palpate the eye? Palpate, so, or, sorry, palpate the jaw in the area where the eye was, just to make sure there's no swelling or anything like that. When you remove the sutures, it's so that you, you're assuming that that has sealed together? Yeah, the sutures have been in there for a little bit. Okay. We just kind of let him be since he was doing so well. We okay. Didn't jump in or grab him or anything. Um, but it's looked closed. It's Non-swollen for the past few weeks. We're just going to remove the sutures. Few weeks, gotcha. So we're not 
Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So we're about to do them all out. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So you can probably do this in a cup. So beautiful. You wanna let um, Caroline quickly put some yeah. All the way on there, yep. And then this, this one, the red, stands for left leg. So it will go on the left flipper in between the toes. Tracy, would you like to? In the webbing? Yeah, Tracy wants to go. Thank you. It's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exciting. Yeah. It is for us. Um, and so then we just spray it with alcohol just for the contact. And then we'll get a reading. See, this is a, a heartbeat. Sure, you've seen these before. And then it'll in the it'll give us a number, and that'll be the heart rate. Um, these are his breaths, so he's taking really small, really quick, shallow breaths. Um, and we're going to put them on the ventilator so that they're kind of bigger, more valuable breaths to him. This number is his expired carbon dioxide, so what he's breathing out. That's a little bit high. So we're going to put him on the ventilator. We want to see it closer to like 35 to 45. So this is this is a better number. Um, and then that's his rest rate, 16 breaths per minute. And then we'll get a temp probe so that we can. Good luck. Sure. Oh, So his heart rate now seems to have kind of evened out. Yeah. But there was a while where it was spiking. And Sometimes the leaves kind of have Look at those teeth. Those are fascinating. Yeah, very strong. Those only get bigger. <laughs> so this How old is he? About a year. About so a year. it's up to you. I'm just trying to see if we research can get it to is pop changing up. a little bit, but as up until this past few years, um, you could fairly confidently say that 50% of sea lions were born on June 15th. They're now you looking for a van just like a person. Yep. Yeah, usually it pops up a little bit better than this. This one's very um, Do you want me to hold it close to the it? edge. I, I think it's okay. You got it? I think. Okay. I do see it. It's just really. So we generally give them the birthday. If we don't know their exact when they popped out, we'll give them June 15th. June 15th. As their birthday. Sure. Yeah. So he is just about, just turned one a couple gotcha. weeks ago, theoretically. <laughs> what is this? It's just a little sore, a wear sore, um, or a pox mark. They get different. Um, you want to take over? Like pox. It's like a herpes, right, Kelsey? Sorry, pox is like a herpes. It's a pox virus. Okay. Yeah. Pox virus. Yeah, it's it's really common in them. They pass it back and forth. It's it's benign. I mean, they just get these. Really? We saw him. He, it looked. It, it did a, not look fresh. It wasn't even an eye. It, it was. It was infected and stuff. So. Very yeah. necrotic. Very old. And they can just swim with it. Yeah. 
they have to, obviously. They have to. Until it hit a point where he probably, they can correct me, but probably the infection probably got to him more so than anything. And that's, he beached. And the pain. Started, you know, not being able to eat and things like that. Okay, so we'll have you guys come behind the ledge with us. Look at this face. Look at this face. Fracture yet. That looks like the orbit's fracture, but that just must be the gap. And this is his little lid just shut right there, right? I mean, the, the, the eye? His little, uh, I mean, like no, the, his eye that shut is over here. Oh, the eye that's shut? You mean the eye that was sutured? Yeah, oh. that's this well, one. What's, what's this, this dark line right here? That's just a pocket of gas within oh. his mouth. So these are his teeth, but both jaws are superimposed over each other, so you can't see the individual teeth, mm -hmm. and you can't see the jaw bones. So what we're gonna do is open his mouth and have him turn to the side so that we can actually see the jaw bones. Okay. There? Yep. Mm -hmm. Here, Kelsey, I'm working on pulling up these little rats. Have you palpated it yet? No, I have not. This is right side, right? It's his right jaw. Wait, is it his left? No, it's his. Oh, it's sorry. Left, right. Jaw is left jaw, right eye. Right eye. Okay. Okay, so over the R over here. This is the left. Let's get my left and right confused. Uh. Welcome to my world. <laughs> I'm always like, the left. Okay, that's yeah. me. That's me. <laughs> so we got another Yeah, so one. there's definitely still a fracture line here. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not stable enough that we can release him. So we'll look at the difference between the um, old radiograph and then we'll palpate it. Um, we can what take this what does that mean, palpating? Feel it. Feel it. Feel it with our hands. If it's unstable to our hands, then yeah, we have an no issue. Good. Yeah. 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 So we'll take this over there so that we can compare. Definitely still a fracture line. I can show you. Lauren, you want to bring that over? Yeah. Um, I don't really feel. I don't really feel any motion. Maybe a tiny bit. Yeah. to get a skin biopsy on him um, for a researcher that is using skin biopsies to age animals. Um, he's been able to prove that he can do it in humans. So we are giving him samples to see if he can prove that he can do it in our animals. We've been doing dolphins, sea lions, eventually, we're do mostly doing mammals right now, but eventually we wanna do like turtles and stuff like that because we don't really know how old animals get in the wild and it would be really important biology research for us to know that information. So um, for us to be able to just shoot a, di a biopsy dart at an animal, um, get that skin sample, recover that sample and be able to know how old they are is really, really important for biology. 
um, and ecology. Um, we think we know that, you know, for instance, like a turtle could live in, to be about 80 to 100, but maybe they could live to be older than that. We don't really know. So um, that's the point of this little biopsy. And it's just a real tiny little biopsy, and we'll just put one suture in it. You are really cleaning that area so well. Yeah, we want to make sure he doesn't get an infection. So this is called a surgical scrub. This is what they would do to you if you were getting like a knee surgery or something like that. Or if you've ever had surgery, um, sometimes you'll, you'll notice that around the scar is all orange and that's from the betadine and it's just an antiseptic. Um, so we, sea lions are particularly dirty because they roll around in their poop and they, <laughs> they sleep on each other and they're just, they're just dirty. So um, that's why I'm being pretty thorough here because I don't want him to get, I don't want to introduce fecal pathogens into his skin and have him get an abscess or get an infection of some kind. So typically a surgical scrub would last five minutes. And you want, you want to scrub no for kidding. five minutes of contact time. Yep. So sometimes we'll just leave that on there, you know, when it's pretty scrubbed pretty well. So I'll just leave that on there until she's ready and then I'll just take some alcohol and and then she'll do the biopsy. It's pretty easy. Just gonna do a little punch. So this is like if you ever go to the dermatologist and yes. get a lesion mm -hmm. biopsy, this is what they use. And that's all we need. Ah. <laughs> he will never know. There's almost, there's almost no blood. Nope, it's just very superficial. And this yeah. one. I'm like, they're gonna think there's no sample in there. When I watch this on TV, I always think, I, I need to know how to do that in case that happens and when we're out in the wild, <laughs> like we're ever out there. Yes, like you and I are ever out in the wild. <laughs> It's a little bit like sewing. I don't know how to sew, but I know how to sew. Oh, it's a lot like sewing right here. I don't know how to sew either. It was hard for me to learn this. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, so you'll squeeze this, but in order, so if I squeeze this like this, mm -hmm. a lot of it's going to leak out because there's this pressure relief valve called the pop-off valve. So what we do, we have this quick close. So you press down on that, and then you squeeze the bag. And you, you have to look at this meter because you don't want it to go over 20 centimeters of water. Um, because that's too high a pressure to infuse into his lungs. So when you, when you bag the animal, you press down on the pop-off valve, you squeeze the bag, but you only go to 20, and then you let go of everything. Does that make sense? Yes, okay. but <laughs> press down. Yep. Squeeze the bag. Squeeze to 20. Yep. Nice, and then you can let go. Perfect. And the point of the pop-off valve is to make it so that his lungs never get above that 20. Are you waking so no him matter up? what. We're trying to. <laughs> and you might want to so you're waking him up? Okay, let's see this. Let's we see this. So now, we'll give him an occasional big breath, but we'll also watch the bag to see if he starts to breathe on his own. 
So the gums are nice and pink. You just checked that? Yep. And that's something we monitor throughout the procedure because uh, that tells us how their cardiovascular system is working. It means that they're adequately perfusing. You know when you check a dog and they, if it turns white and then turns pink again, it's good? Do they do the same thing? Yes. Yeah. So you're looking capillary at refill time. Yeah. the capillary refill time, how long it takes to return to being pink. If it's very long, like five seconds, that's abnormal. If it takes like a second or half a second, that's normal. So his, his capillary refill time is good. His mucous membranes are also nice and pink, which is good. That means he's perfusing appropriately. Um, and a couple other things we do to just assess how asleep they are or how deep they might be in anesthesia. It's jaw tone. Yeah, and then yeah. you can listen to his lungs too. So we want to make sure you're not hearing any crackles. We are worried about pneumonia in this guy. I don't think so. Okay. But but I I'll take oh, a listen as well. Just, yeah. yeah. So you sort of listening the different quadrants. He's so stinky. actually sound a little bit abnormal. Do they? Mm -hmm. Well, I, they weren't clear as far as I... Yeah. It didn't sound like static, but it's like, like, yeah. like a little... White noise. Yeah, type. that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. There's a little snoring happening. Really? <laughs> You don't need to repeat that. Snoring? Yeah. The two. Okay. Try it just a little bit. Yeah. I think this one's going to be better. He's not as fat. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the two, but it sounds yeah, like it's yeah, not. I can show it to you when she's done. It sort of collapses while the needle's in it. It doesn't pop up um, quite as well as when the needle's not in it. But I'll show you. And you can also see his heart beating. He's got a worm. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um... All right. Well, that was interesting. And, uh, and <laughs> you and I looking our fresh best. Yeah. <laughs> in the... It's... Um, I think the most interesting part for me was the x-ray machine. Gray, when you were at SeaWorld and, and where you have been, have you ever, have you ever sat in on a, like on a, on a, on, on big medical procedures like that? Oh, oh yes. And, and quite, quite often actually, because, um, you know, given their large size, you need all hands on deck. So, uh, even if the animal voluntarily goes into a carrier from its home habitat to the clinic and then is sedated and, and knocked down with anesthesia, um, you need all sorts of, of help with that. And then transporting the animal onto a table where the surgeons can, can operate. Uh, plus, it's an opportunity for us to look over the animals and to work with them as they're going down. You know, it's, it's good for them to see a familiar face, a friendly face, uh, because while the veterinarians visit the, the animals often, 
they don't have the same kind of relationship that the trainers do, the keepers do at various zoos. So you want to make sure that you maintain that that connection, even as the animal is going under anesthesia and certainly when they're awaking from it. Right, right, right. That eye contact, that familiarity. Yes. So it's like it's like yours is the first face that they see, and I and and some of the, the trainers were in the room when, yeah, when they when they brought them out. It's always it's always astonishing to me. First of all, how doctors can bring people out of anesthesia, but animals out yeah. of anesthesia. And and there was one particular clip where I was listening with the stethoscope. <clears throat> I mean, this just shows you the the insight, the ear, the education, the training. When I was listening, and they said, you know, do you, the lungs should sound clear? And I thought, well. And I remember, I mean, just saying, you know, it doesn't sound like there's any static. And she, and then, and then the doctor, the surgeon, listened to it and said, "No, there's something wrong." I went, "Well, there, yeah, that's just a why. tiny bit, though." That's I mean, you were pretty close because then she said it was more like white noise. It wasn't right. really bad, so right. it, 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 I'm sure it was hard to hear. But yes, they're tuned for it. They're amazing. They're amazing. Andrea, when you and I were at SeaWorld, like five years ago, we went, we went backstage, didn't we? We went back we did. We went backstage, backstage. Back in, into the rescue area, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh, we did not get to see any procedures per se, but we got to see how the animals are kept in a, a secure holding area that, you know, they're with their other, their other kinds. So there's a little less stress. Uh, they have the positive reinforcement. They have the toys they can play with while they're recuperating or while they're waiting for evaluation to be re-released back out into the wild. So we had a, that was a really neat experience. And I, the best part of that trip uh, was seeing the passion that these folks have who do these rescues and releases, um, the emotional connection they make for these animals and, and all they want is the best for these animals. They want them to survive in the wild. They want them to be uh, happy and thrive. Right. And it, it breaks their heart that they have to do some of these things, that they have to <clears throat> rescue. But they do everything in their power to get these animals back out to where they need to be. And what they know about the animal's own recuperative powers, because I mean, they were Sorry. sending them out again and uh, you know with the, and they and sometimes they weren't they were like like 97% healed and i would i mean i would just have kept them in but i don't know anything and they said no this will they will continue to heal on their own yeah and they <clears throat> and they check them so thoroughly before they go they have different tests within the holding pens to say here we are taking care of them and then this is the test to see will they chase the live fish will they will not just feed them right. the dead fish but if they chase right. the live fish they uh -huh. know that they can Absolutely. they're going to do that on their own even though they're still healing they're going to be okay right and i think they i finished think, they don't have to keep them longer than they need to keep exactly. them exactly because for their own because benefit. well for their own benefit and because of the fact that there are so many others yeah. that that are going to need help but i think we showed in in a previous episode um the the recovery pools and they, from like critical care to, there's like seven yeah. or eight of them to, I'm going to be released tomorrow. And who they put them with. <clears throat> exactly. For the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know Carolyn, I would imagine that you and Tracy were struck by the size of the animals. I mean, it's one thing to see them on stage or even to see them up close when they're awake and alert. But when you have a, an animal that's basically knocked out in front of you that is 600 pounds yeah, yeah. Uh, or more, yeah. in the case of a male sea lion, a California sea lion, uh, it's a pretty impressive thing to see these animals and then be able to to look at their body parts. And I got to tell you, as a as a animal person, 
that never gets old. I mean, it's always cool to, to hold up a tiger paw or a lion paw or a sea lion flipper uh, because the animal's asleep and, and you can examine their bodies more closely and in, in detail. Well, we, I mean, we saw things that we wouldn't have with, with all the sea lions that I've seen. We wouldn't, I mean, the, their teeth, their teeth yeah. up close and personal and they're right. sharp and there are a yeah. lot of them. Yeah. But to see them, you know, kind of intubated and, and being assisted and being worked, worked on, their little faces are just so... Yeah, it's so adorable petting them yeah. in their skin. I know exactly. Just <laughs> because it's and it because they're and they're just so wonderful to touch. We didn't see <clears throat> on the table as as you as everyone saw the sea lions that we were were working on um, were not that large. I think maybe like two hundred. 150 pounds. Yeah, I don't think something they like were. That. But, they but weren't, still, they weren't huge. Watch, like he was talking about getting them out, watching them get them from oh. the container to the table or whatever. Exactly. Is, is, is amazing. Exactly. And then, and well. then, and yeah. then taking them back out and, and then watching them, them and, and they watch them while they wake up. So to make sure that, yeah, until they are, until they Just are like they fully alert. Then, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Might be a little groggy, but to make sure that they don't go in the water. Right. Now, when you saw all the animals, maybe it wasn't caught on video. Did you see animals that had become dry, um, that they'd been out of the water so long that their 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 fur, their coat had been had dry? Because one of the things I think people don't realize is when they're wet, they look kind of dark brown, almost black in some ways. But when they dry out, they're, they they're blonde. Yes, they're the we did we did. They're a nice light brown. Yeah, it's a very it's stark. Really difference. lovely. It, they're 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 beautiful. But you know, you re- you rarely see. A sea yeah. lion that isn't in the ocean, but yeah, we had we saw some sunning themselves. Yes, that were so beautiful. But but what I was going to say is that while we did not see on the table um, large large animals, we saw them what elephant seals and mm-hmm. um, uh, on the beach. No no no. In there was there was one oh, particular right. pen that had these huge huge animals, and you know that they had also been on the, been on the table. These girls, what they do down there is um, is nothing short of miraculous, and they care so much for the collection that is in. I mean, every, it's, it's all the collection in a way, except for for what goes on at at SeaWorld Rescue. Unless they have they they have an animal that they bring in that cannot be rehabilitated, and then that is that is given a permanent and forever home in the collection. But you know, you can't walk from the you can walk from the park back into the rescue but you can't walk from the rescue area back into the park because of what is coming in can you i don't even think no. you could do that mm-hmm. i didn't even think you could do one way i think you can right gray i think you can walk yeah, from- you should be able to do um park to rescue right. but you're absolutely right that typically if you're going to be working in the rescue area for any facility not just a sea world you're going to be quarantined away from you, the main collection, right? You don't want to introduce something from the wild, especially if you're bringing an animal that you don't know what their condition is or why right, they're right. ill. Um, you don't want to bring any kind of zoonotic issues into your collection. So there are strict <clears throat> quarantine protocols at SeaWorld and elsewhere um, from from things like you got to go home and take a shower. Yeah, we weren't allowed. We weren't allowed back in that day. It had to be. Yeah. It was. It was 24 hours before yeah. we were able to go back in. Into, yeah. into the park. In fact, wait a minute. I mean, we never we, went to the park. We never went, into, never the park. went into the park. We never went uh, into the uh, park. It was just all, all SeaWorld Rescue all the time. No um, surprise. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was extraordinary. So that was our five-episode adventure into SeaWorld Rescue. Yes. I was just going to go back to what you were talking about, <clears throat> also about how extraordinary the animals are and how they are, um, how 
much the animals can handle in the water. Like the one who lost his eye was swimming without the with the eye out here somewhere for a long time yeah. before they finally say, okay. And it's not because he didn't have the eye. It's because the infection got to him. Right. So he beached himself. Right. So then they can go and rescue right. them. But that's why I think they put them out. I mean, it's another example of why they put them out as soon as they can because they're, they, know. they can tolerate yeah. and they can heal. And this animal was surviving as best that they could. Yeah. They can, and, and, thank and they goodness can thrive. They were there because it, right. he will thrive. He He's will thriving. thrive. Yeah. You know, Tracy raises two great points there. The first is, um, you know, I've been doing this for almost 30 years and I, continue to be amazed at the stoicism of wild animals, animals in general, even, even our say, domestic pets our sometimes. Pets as well, yeah. Um, their ability to tolerate the kinds of injury and, and disease and pain that I think would just make us all call, crawl up into a ball and, and give up. Um, I've seen that kind, time and time again with all kinds of species. And also your point about the fact that um, animals, even with um, permanent disabilities, if you will, like the loss of an eye or the loss of part of a flip or whatever. It's amazing what the animals can cope with and survive with. And we see that with sea turtles losing flippers, depending on if they're male or female, they can be reintroduced, even losing a limb or two. Uh, it's, it's astounding what animals can, can tolerate and survive in, in the wild. Right, right. But, but you're right again, both of you, that they're not going to let them out just so they can, you know, hopefully make their way. They're not going to let them go until they can thrive. And, yeah. w w you know, to Gray's point, they can thrive under yeah, under and, and adverse they knew that. conditions. Saying, this, and yeah. he's going to be fine without that yeah. eye. Let's <clears> just <throat> clean it up and make him yeah. well and send him back on his way. Right. But we need to fix, clear up the infection and all that first, mm -hmm. but he's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. So that was us at SeaWorld, and we're going to go back, and we're going to bring it, and we're, we're going to bring it, we're going to bring more to you. Um, this is the last show of 2019, and what an incredible year it has been. Gray, shall we do a little wrap up about 2019? What's 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 been some of the some of the interesting things that have happened? I know that that over what is it, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, a rhino was born in Michigan. Wow, I didn't yeah. catch that one, yeah. but. Uh... That's always good news. Of course, rhinos continue to suffer large losses in the wild, depending on the species. Some are critically endangered, uh, down in, in the teens of numbers of animals left. Uh, so anytime there's a rhino birth, whether it's a zoo or in the wild, it's, in it's a reason to celebrate. Uh, we see that time and time again, though. There's countless species that are on the brink of extinction. Um, 2019 was, was no different. Uh, hopefully, though, um, there's some hope for the future in terms of some of the bans that we're seeing in terms of ivory trade and so forth that might go into a, a, a more complete effect and curb some of the poaching that we're seeing. Well, one can only hope. Um, Gray, favorite charities that you would have people um, donate to if they were so, if they were animally inclined? Well, of course, you and I are, are very familiar with American Humane. Uh, this is the organization that has several lines of, of, involvement in animal welfare, whether it's domestic animals, military dogs, and, and servicemen and women that are coming back from theater, uh, as well as zoo animals and farm animals. So I think they do great work. Uh, they have a very high charity rating. The key thing, I think, Carolyn, is always to go to those charity rating websites, those independent websites, to make sure that the, the overhead, the money that's going to overhead to, to paying salaries or retirement accounts for the organization 
is, is low. It's a very low percentage so that the money you're donating is really going to where it's needed. And where it's needed most, I think, are in your local animal shelters. Are they all transparent about that? And all that. Tracy, Tracy had a question. Are they all transparent about that? Is it easy to find that information on the website? Will they all tell you that? Well, if it isn't, keep moving, right. keep looking, right? Um, the ones that the, the ones that really um, are worthy are the ones that do profess that to put that out there, make it simple for you. But yes, I think you can go to like Charity Navigator and others, and actually type in the name of the organization, and it'll come up, and it'll say we don't have any rating on these people because we don't know them, or here's our rating for them. And uh, so you want to stay away from the PETAs and the HSUSs and so forth because those have. First of all, they have an agenda, but secondly, they, they have very high expenses. And so the money that you're spending isn't necessarily going to help an animal in need. It's going to fund somebody's retirement. Champagne for movie or, stars costs a lot at a PETA event. <laughs> it's true. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. I always say that the people that can stretch a dollar the most are your local animal shelters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are the people that uh, try to find permanent homes for animals in your very neighborhood. You can see the work that they're doing. And they know how to make money stretch like no other. So To that list, I'm also going to add the Los Angeles Zoo, my very own Los Angeles Zoo, which I love so much. And the work they are doing, especially with their... um, With the new zoo director, God bless John Lewis for all the work that he's done, but they have a new zoo director, uh, Denise Verrett, and she is... um, She's starting some amazing programs, some wonderful, wonderful outreach programs. So I can't strongly enough suggest, please, please donate to... My, and if you're in Los Angeles, your Los Angeles Zoo. So there's that. Um, Gray, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. You have a, you started something in 2019, which is that, that I was, I was honored to be, I believe the first contributor, the first. Yes. Yes. You've been on a few times now. Um, Thank you for mentioning it. It's called Zoo Logic, two words. And we deal with uh, some of the same types of topics that you do with on animal magnetism here. Some of our guests tend to be from the, the zoo community, the, the nonprofit community, particularly with regards to field research, um, animal policy, and so forth. So we, we sometimes get into the weeds as far as how zoos are operated and, and what sort of issues they're facing. Uh, but we also you know, try to keep it open and fun and and uh, as informative as we can. So thank you for mentioning and as, it. And as, as, as entertaining, because I've listened to some of them, and they are incredibly... But but here's the, here's the thing. It's not just for, you know, by a zoo person, for zoo people. Correct. Um, I can listen to it uh, we, and understand. That, thank you for saying that, because we really do mean it for all animal people, whether you work with animals, domestic or wild, or whether you just love them and, and want to learn more about them. And uh, we've had some really cool things. I, the one episode I really, really... Uh, want to mention this past year was um, I talked with Sylvia Earle and for people of a certain age group <clears throat> mine, Sylvia Earle is the Jacques Cousteau of my youth. She was an aquanaut. She's I think in her early eighties and still travels around the world and has this uh, mission blue effort to set aside ocean habitat, uh, working with different nations and so forth. And she's, a, she's a remarkable lady. But when you listen to the first 10 minutes of my show with her, I hadn't talked to her prior to that. I had worked with her daughter who set up the whole interview. And so I'm totally fangirling the first 15 minutes of this thing. I'm like, like, you know, you can, I'm, I'm like nervous and uh, not breathing well because I'm talking to Sylvia Earl. So uh, it's moments like that that have made it really enjoyable to do a podcast such as yours. 
Tracy just looked at me and she goes, why, why does that name sound so familiar? It's because she was the honoree at the right. Beastly Ball. Right. That's what I thought. Yes. She was the honoree yeah. at, at uh, the 2019 Los Angeles Zoo Beastly Ball. And we got to, uh, we got to actually got to sit at her table. Nice. And I was not aware of, of exactly, you know, the scope of, of, of her work, but my goodness, she, you know, in 1979, she held the record for deepest dive for a single human being. She does. Oh, I don't know. Do we know that? She does. Yeah. Is that what you just I said? I think wow. should, they probably told us that at the Beastly yeah. Ball, but we might've been too busy yeah. stuffing our mouths. Yeah. I remember watching the PBS special as a kid in 1979 wow. and, and you know, years later I'm, I'm talking to her and she's still going strong. And wow. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. She's, she's, she's sassy pants. That yeah. one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't want, like you, I would not want to get on her bad side. No. <laughs> no. Um, what's, what, what do you hope we see in 2020? I, was, I mean, we're out of the teens. I would what? hope for a return to common sense. I would hope for a, a broader conversation. You know, we hear a lot about climate change. Some people say climate change is happening. Some, some deny it's happening. Some ascribe it all to human beings. Some ascribe it none of it to human beings. Um, I think that climate change is important to talk about because we are going to see um, flooding over the next century, I think. We're going to, in some of our low-lying areas, and humans are going to have to deal with that, but so are animals. But all of that is part of a larger problem, which is the size of the human population. We're approaching 8 billion people now. By the time you and I hang it up, we could be at 9 or 10 billion people. And the planet is busting in its seams with humans, and there are dire consequences as a result of that. And we need to wrestle with that large number and decide if that's really a smart thing for future generations. Yeah, because now you got the church coming down, and you've got a woman, you know, the right to reproduce, and how mm -hmm. dare you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm, I mean, it's a discussion that we need to have. I well, remember I mean, Jack Hanna. We used to have that conversation when I was a kid. People talked about the human population. Now, obviously, there have been some really horrific things attached with that that terminology in human history, and so you know, genocides and so forth like that. We we don't want to <laughs> get into that. No, but we need to think seriously about whether or not the planet can sustain itself when we're already <laughs> using up resources faster than they can be replenished naturally. I remember one of the one of the first conversations you and I had was you saying this was this was obviously years ago saying we're at 7.5 billion people on a planet that will have 9 billion people by 2050 and now yeah. that's probably going to be even larger that can safely in perpetuity sustain 3 billion people yeah. and I know there was some some study done somewhere where someone some listeners look it up and, and, and write to me. Took all the people in the world and said, you can put them all in Oklahoma. You can give them like a five square foot plot of land and put them all in Oklahoma. And I'm like, what? Huh? Someone did something like that. Someone out there will know what I'm talking about. And I could be way off base, but it's something like that. So they said, you know, oh, no, 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 no. So they're saying there aren't that many <clears throat> people. There aren't that many people. That planet's fine. You can put, you can give everybody five, five square feet and, um, and put them all in Oklahoma. Um, it's just the people that are that are here and what are we're they doing on top of each other. I, like, possibly, <laughs> I mean, possibly. Yeah. Like, are they all underneath stacked the ground? Up. Stacked underneath the ground. Right. Um, yes, which, which I just thought was interesting and if it's true then then the ones who are here 
are really are, are are messing it up even even more than I had even anticipated. I had this strange, strange dream the other night, and it has to do with China and and uh, shipping containers full of trash. So <laughs> allow me to elaborate, because <clears throat> you know the the global warming and the seas are rising, and and I, polar ice caps are they melting? I don't know, but you know we too. But th- this, these were Chinese shipping containers. I don't know. Sorry. That have you if you have, ha, have you seen Aquaman? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a scene in Aquaman where they're swimming and they swim past all of these shipping containers uh, that have been dropped, like in the Marianas Trench. Yeah. And they've yeah. because that's what we that's what countries do with their trash. Yeah, they put it in shipping containers and they drop it in the ocean. And it ain't the polar ice caps, kids. It's the water that's being displaced from these tankers because there are thousands of them down there and so it's like no it's not global warming it's the it's, dumping of it's the trash both i mean how bad is I'm, that how well, terrible sure, is that but i mean we it's, got it we listen, got it going from both I'm, sides those tankers probably don't even make it at this point but yeah, i'm but, but, but in my dream that's what it was doing and they will you you pile up enough you of keep them going yeah and so so it's not just the people but it's what do we do with our refuse what do we do with our trash which brings us back to catalina which brings us back to catalina Nicely done. Thank you. Beautiful segue. And um, and Dr. Kenneth Nealon and the uh, the Black Soldier Fly, a Black Soldier Fly larvae uh, project, which doesn't release any methane into the atmosphere. So, you know, go and find that sustainable that, garbage or whatever you yes, call it. Yes, find that so. find that show in animal magnetism. We actually have to have Dr. Kenneth Nealon in. Um, as I say, we are we are kind of coming to the end. Um, as I said, we're going to have some big changes in 2020. So I will get the word out on the animal Ma- Carolyn Hennessy's animal Ma- magnetism Facebook page, um, and I will tweet it out. And for those of my Facebook friends who are watching, I will put it on my Facebook page. We're just gonna I'm gonna plaster it everywhere. So we're gonna have the, we're gonna have we're gonna have some changes uh, comings. But but animal magnetism will remain. So uh, so there's that. Um, Tracy, thoughts for 2020? What would you what do you want to do with regard to the animal world? And then Andrea, I'm coming to you for that too. Well, uh, same. I would like to just continue learning since I jumped on this. I mean, I've, as I said before, I've always been an animal advocate, but not to the degree and not been able to be so hands-on as I have in the past year or so. So, you know, more of that, please. And Yes, That's thank right. you. Thank you. I'm going to do that. And, um, and I hope that I can include the girls that I teach more into yeah. all of that, which I am trying to do little by little. And um, for those who don't know, Tracy is the performing arts director for Louisville Girls School here in Woodland Hills. Thank you very much. That's right. And they are very big on the (laughs) animal charities as well and recycling and all that stuff. So um, more of that, more of that to bring to hundreds of girls that I can at a time anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I don't know, I think educating like uh, like um, Grace said about which are the charities and how can we dive in? What can we do? Yeah. Showing up. Showing up? Agreed. Agreed. Miss Andrea, thoughts about 2019? Thoughts for 2020 as we close it out for the year? Dovetailing into showing it up, um, I start thinking about what's important when I hit the month of December and what is important for this next year. And volunteering at your local shelters has been sitting on uh, a post-it on my desk. And there's a couple places here that I support in the outer realms of Seattle 
specifically Woodenville. And uh, those are the places where I think I want to find myself this year, donating not only my time, but um, these are wonderful places that take old towels, old, you know, sheets, anything like that. Um, They were kind enough to take a lot of my, um, my bubbies, my, my chow chow that passed away, his diapers, because there are older dogs who need these things. And these are expensive items for, for uh, nonprofits to have to go out and get. So making those donations, um, thinking about spring cleaning, what, what can we make sure these shelters get that we're not using anymore. Let's let's recycle them that way as well. So that is important. And and going out there and seeing movies like Sea of Shadows, that that really great documentary about the Vaquitas, I think that's an important message that needs to continue into 2020. Um, it's very easy for us to get distracted by other things in the world when the really super important things are always right there. You just have to educate yourself. Well said. Beautifully, beautifully, beautifully said. I completely forgot to uh, start this uh, this episode by saying happy, happy, merry, merry, merry Christmas and happy New Year to everybody. I forgot that. I get a pass. I get a pass, pass the entire day. Um, were your holidays merry and bright? Gray, Andrea, Gray, how about you? Oh, yeah, I'm all good here. And uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to try to educate people uh, and to change the narrative back to the way it used to be, which is zoos and aquariums matter. Places like SeaWorld matter for all the reasons that you've described over the past several episodes of animal magnetism. Well, I will say this. Um, in speaking with Dave Koontz, because I, 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 Tracy and I, I went down because I was the keynote speaker for the annual Hubs SeaWorld Research Institute gala. And we were talking about the fact that the activists, they made a dent for a few years in terms of park attendance. But that is on the rise again because because the connection with animals resonates with individuals. And the good works are, are really kind of rising to the top and all the white noise of, you know, all the propaganda, all the smear campaigns um, are, are kind of sinking. So People are I, sick of it. Yeah, pe- people, people are absolutely sick of it. Now, I think, um, in my little conspiracy theory brain, that, that this just means that they're going to up the ante. But maybe they won't. And, and, and even if they do, hopefully shows like this and your show, you know, Zoo Logic and, and, and the, the turns that, that SeaWorld has taken to try and, and be more, more in the public eye in a, in a much more advocacy, you know, and really try and get, the, get people to understand what it is that they do and what it is that they don't do and what they are and what they're about. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping that this will have an incredible effect in 2020. Uh, and that, uh, and that, and that organizations like PETA and HSUS, uh, I know they won't stop trying, but I hope that they will. That people will continue n- to not listen to them. They'll change focus, <clears throat> like we said. Yeah. So they're going to change focus, but but their tact hasn't changed. So hopefully, people are just over it, yeah, or at sick least of it. many of them, and that yeah. will continue yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. That and number I'm, will grow. And I'm going to try and educate as many uh, right. Hollywood, you know, vulnerable Hollywood celebrities as possible. Um, I'll take the teenage girls. You, you t- take. and I'll take yeah 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 yeah. Um, Andrea, tell me what are you doing for the new year, darling? Oh, for the new year, let's see. <laughs> I'm starting a whole thirty uh, <laughs> detox from the sugar and all that other fun stuff. So going to a little bit more of a plant based diet for the month of January, which is always good for the body. 
the mind and the soul, or at least that's what I'm going to keep telling myself through the headaches. There we go. <laughs> I'll do that. Uh, but for the new, the new year is just, you know, each, each year I try to uh, start actually on New Year's Day in a, uh, uh, a workshop to set my intention for the year. And I, I've been pondering that again for the month of December. I do a lot of pondering in December. And I am so excited and looking forward to that workshop. Uh, always football on New Year's Day, but I take a break, go do my workshop. And it just gets me that much much more focused and looking forward to that next day, that next challenge, um, that next opportunity to uh, do something right and, and fun and good for another person or another creature. Excellent. Great. You just moved into a new house. Uh, how's that? What are you going to be doing for New Year's? Or, or as I call it, amateur night. <laughs> well, <laughs> we tend to be pretty mellow around here. We'll probably, you know, watch a movie, get some good food, maybe dinner early and then stay off the roads for the night. But uh, I'm looking forward in 2020 to uh, working with the folks at Kong. Uh, The founder of Kong is starting a new zoo venture to create enrichment products that are sized up for equine and large animals. So um, so that in the coming year of 2020, certainly by mid 2020, um, there'll be some large uh, items available for animals that are uh, based on natural products like rubber and won't break teeth and won't scratch acrylic and so forth. So uh, they've asked me to help them design some products and help, you know, spread the word. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's a good company. It's one that I've been affiliated with over the years, just, you know, sampling their products for years uh, and sharing that on local TV in Phoenix and elsewhere. So um, I still, I still get a Kong product a month. They yeah, still send me yeah, so this show this show is essentially brought, brought brought to you by Kong by yep. Kong by, by Kong toys for your for your pets you will never go wrong with a Kong yeah so there yeah and Joe Markham the founder of Kong started 40 years ago he's just a lovely man and he doesn't need to be doing this at this point in his life but he told me he said Gray I want to make sure every species has a form of enrichment and uh, that's what we're going to do in 2020 right. let's get him on the show yeah maybe we'll do it all right. All right, I love we'll that. make that happen. I love that. You, I know what your 2020 is. It's going to be marching in lockstep with me um, as, a, as an animal advocacy warrior. Actually, in lockstep with Andrea Gray and me as an animal advocacy warrior, which, yes, is, what I, which is what I want. Yes, please. Yes, please. And thank you. Which is what I want everyone out there to become, an animal advocacy warrior. You've, those of you who have watched this show now for years, you know what to do. And you know where to donate, and you know you know the verbiage, you know the stats, and there are shows. If you don't, if you've forgotten, there are shows you can go look them up. So, so, uh, and I encourage you to do so. I am looking forward to 2020. Um, a whole a whole new batch of animal magnetisms again on the way to you. We're gonna have some amazing guests. Um, this this fabulous party is staying the same. You know, the hosts are gonna stay exactly the same. And, uh, and we are very glad that they are. So, so I want to wish everybody, uh, it, it'll be the 29th when this airs. Yes, yes, 29th. So uh, a couple of days until New Year's. And I want to wish everyone a wonderful New Year. Uh, may it be filled with peace, love, laughter for your animals. And peace, love, and laughter and good health and prosperity for everyone out there watching and listening. So 
always remember in everything you do, cultivate the preservationist heart. It will stand you in such good stead, see you through so much. More importantly, it will help the animals, and when you help the animals, you help humans. So have a wonderful New Year's Eve, everybody. Stay safe. Do what Gray does, what I do, what you're going to do, and stay off the road because it's just yeah. amateur. And, uh, and we will see you in 2020. Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, I am Carolyn Hennessy, and you've been watching Animal Magnetism. Bye-bye. <laughs>